It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Nick Sirianni gave up play calling for the Philadelphia Eagles in 2021, and in 2022, they're 5-0. Should Zach Taylor follow suit, plus some stats that shine some light on the offense's struggles on Sunday Night Football in Week 5? You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network here on Locked On Bengals, bringing you coverage of your Cincinnati Bengals every day, free and available everywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. And let's have the conversation, James. People around the internet, around Bengals fandom, screaming. For probably, I don't know what what number of times this is, for the umpteenth time mm-hmm. in, in various down spots throughout Zach Taylor's tenure in Cincinnati for Zach Taylor to give up play calling. And there aren't very many examples of this happening successfully around the NFL. That's why I mentioned Nick Sirianni specifically, because that's one where handoff to Shane Waldron goes well. They're 5-0 and this year. I don't think this is coming necessarily but the the cries are getting louder and there is an example where Sirianni for the reasons Bengals fans are talking about where he wants to and this is a quote make a change in the sense of how to free me up to be a better head coach and I had a good assistant to call the place sure sure I, I get it I I get what people are calling for that and Here's what I think needs to happen is Zach Taylor needs to to look in the mirror. This entire coaching staff needs to, as do the entire offense, because we're going to get some of these stats. And it's just insane. It's insane that this offense with those guys, nine and one and 28 and 85 and 83, too talented, too talented uh, to be where they're at from an offensive standpoint at this stage of the season. We're not talking about a few games now. You know, we're, we're talking about five games. We're talking about a month plus of football. Um, so you, you can't blame, can't, you can't make all these excuses. And so, yeah, the blame has to go somewhere. And look, I'm not going to come on here and say Zach Taylor needs to to give up play calling. Cause I, I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know if Brian Callahan would be a good play caller. He's never called plays. So now in the middle of a season with a bunch of expectations, do you want this new play caller that, yeah, has a huge part of the in the offense, but he's going to have to work through some things, too, if he starts calling plays. So there's that. Not that I'm afraid to do that, but that's part of it. The, the, the other part is, and, and I think the the bigger conversation has to do with just Zach Taylor in general. I, I thought each year he's been in Cincinnati, he's grown. 
as a head coach. And I, I haven't felt that this year from last year. Feels a lot like last year, doesn't it? Where it was these ebbs and flows and games that would make you pull your hair out and it felt like the world's ending. And then it, it except the highs so far this year haven't been as high. They're not creating those explosives. They aren't doing those things that even when you lose, you're like, okay, well, at least the offense is showing flashes. There haven't been many, many flashes, and there weren't really any uh, in my eyes uh, from an offensive standpoint uh, on Sunday outside of the, the ground game a little bit. So will he give up play calling? I don't think so. Could it solve some things? It could. It's also a risk because, like I said, Brian Callahan hasn't done it. So I'm more bummed that at least to this point, it seems like everyone's kind of where they were a year ago and they haven't taken a step forward or they've taken a step backwards, and that includes Zach Taylor. Yeah. And real quick correction, Shane Steichen, not Shane Waldron. Wrong Shane, (laughs) offensive coordinator. There's two of them in the NFL. Um The reason, though, I think that we haven't seen the ups this year kind of gets to some of the things we're going to talk about later is that, you know, ebbs and flows last year for sure. Where did those where did those peaks come from for this offense? It's when teams gave them one on one opportunities with Jamar Chase all year into the Super Bowl, where teams gave them one on one opportunities with T Higgins and teams were just playing single high a lot. There's crazy splits for the Bengals going against single high. And, you know, that's why last night after the game, we talked about the the one positive from the offense being they, they found some success in the run-gun game, in the, in the shotgun run game. If they can build on that and get five, six yards of carry when teams are playing too high against them, then you can, okay, play too high will run the balls for six yards of carry. And at some point, you're going to have to do something about that because we will run the entire game if we have to. You need to be able to show that patience if you can't figure out how to throw the ball effectively against those two high shells. And the other thing is, is when you're running the ball effectively against those two high shells, your play-action game should be better. You should be able to set up the the play-action plays, even if it's an intermediate part of the field, even even if it's not going over the top. Because Joe Burrow doesn't have Josh Allen's arm to throw the ball over the top of a two-high shell and go 60 yards down the field, you know, a little bit late or with a flick of a wrist or whatever. So, you know, those are adjustments that will need to be made either way. But as far as changing the play color, I'm not sure that solves the problem. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. Like you said, James, we don't know how Callahan would be as a play caller if that is something they're even considering. I don't think they are. But even if Callahan is a good play caller, I guess that's how we would figure out, is it the plays that are being called? Is it the structure of the offense, the way this team wants to play offense? Is it a problem with the quarterback? Joe Burrow has not been good against two high defenses his entire NFL career. And he's been playing for Zach Taylor his entire NFL career. So, you know, chicken or egg there, you know, root cause analysis needs to be done. But... (laughs) that's also something that needs to be considered and something I'm going to be looking at when I watch a tape is where, what, what are they trying to run into cover six that the Ravens running so much of 27 plays, I think uh, in, against the pass for the Ravens and two high defenses, cover two, cover four, cover six. And uh, that's probably a good transition to our stats, right? James, because these splits are insane 
for this offense, for this passing offense, when they're facing a two high versus a single high shell. And that's why we've been talking about it so much. So maybe we'll talk about those, those splits coming up next. But first, a word from Tommy John, because fall, it can be chaos, much like the Bengals offense right now. You're overheating one second, freezing the next. You got to be ready for anything, and you need underwear that can handle everything. It's time for Tommy John. In Tommy John underwear, you're that much more comfortable, so you can do everything better. Name a problem with other underwear, and Tommy John's solved it. It's breathable. Lightweight fabric has four times the stretch of competing brands, and they came with no wedgie guarantee thanks to the non-rolling waistband and legs that never ride up, plus a horizontal quick-draw fly. you got to check them out right now. TommyJohn.com slash on right now for 20% off your first order. That's 20% off everything backed by Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. 20% off at TommyJohn.com slash LockedOn. TommyJohn.com slash LockedOn. See site for details. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, James, you've got some some stats, right? I've got some stats, too. Let's start with your stats. What do you got? Wow. wow. Look at you starting with my stats. Now, that's – I thought for sure you were going to do it. So, the James Analytics. The James Analytics is going to continue day two now. I had a couple people tweet me about that. That might that might stick. I think, I think we things. need a weekly James Analytics segment now. It's going to get crazy. I'm sure it will be wild. Uh, we might. You know, we might. Um, we need, we need in, a new James Analytics piece of jewelry to go with your hot take chain. So figure. I'm gonna get out. with Schultz and I'm gonna get with Schultz and Sons and make sure. I'm seriously. I'm gonna reach out to Matt and his crew and see if I can get a, a no shovel pass t- a chain. I'll wear that to the state. I mean, you can't have shovel passes, man. I, anyways, you want to talk about a play that no one believed in as it was happening? None of those dudes believed in that play. Anyways. Um, a uh, couple stats. One in this James Lytic st- uh, segment, we're actually going to steal it from Mike Renner. <laughs> Get that? We're, we're stealing the stat because Mike Renner PFF uh, tweeted this out. And Joe Burrow's EPA per drop back, and it's expected points added for those wondering. It's one or it's point one six zero against single high, two high, and this just chimes in to write what you said at at the end there before I started talking about Ch- uh, Tommy John. Too high. It's minus. it's uh it's a struggle and too high in 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 going against it and i don't know what it is i think it's a mixture of everything like i think it's just the the coaching staff is clearly they're they're struggling to put together the right cover two beaters it puts burrow in a position that he's not the most comfortable and they clearly don't love the idea of running the ball a ton and so especially because they haven't been able to at an efficient level and you mix it all together and it's just been this simple yet so complex thing that just throws a wrench into the Bengals offense and it it shouldn't be that simple to slow it down and yet it has been through five weeks yeah so all offseason right we were talking about all offseason the offensive line should be better yeah 
they know they're going to get too high, but the offensive line should be better. That should mean that the coaching staff has more flexibility with what they want to do on offense. They should be able to run some longer developing plays. They should be able to do better in the play action game because they should be able to run the ball better. All these things that we thought would be better predicated on thinking the offensive line would be better. And the offensive line has not been much better. I mean, it's probably been a little bit better. The first two games were very bad. And Micah Parsons, TJ Watt were problems. They've probably been a little bit better than last year, but that shovel pass is a great example. You talk about Lyle Collins maybe doesn't have the right assignment, but Cordell Volson is also, you know, beat inside, which has been his big issue, beat inside off the snap. And he's he's trying to run his guy out of the play through the back of the pocket. Stanley Morgan's trying to work across the pocket. Stanley Morgan has to hesitate while Cordell Volson clears where he's trying to run throws off the timing of the play. Maybe there's even a chance for Stanley Morgan to catch the ball and, and get in if Cordell Volson doesn't have to run his guy out the back of the pocket instead of just sealing him at the line of scrimmage. So timing is disrupted in the first place. You know, Ted Karras loses his rep. Lel Collins maybe doesn't have the right assignment. So offensive line, right? And so the the adjustments that I was hoping to see from this offense – especially the way they were talking about knowing this too high stuff was coming mm-hmm. with the improvements we were expecting on the offensive line. Maybe they're slowly coming along, and I think they are. It's just too slow. It, it's four drives into the game when we're talking about a game-to-game basis. It's taking, you know, we're five weeks into the season now, and I, I feel like, you know, the the game planning for these games and, and I haven't watched the tape yet, probably needs to be come into the game with a plan to beat these coverages at the start of the game. And I think that's what they're trying to do with some, some of the early run game where they didn't get it going. It took them a while to get it going. They thought they had some ideas that they thought would work in the run game, and then they didn't work. And so it took them four drives to adapt and find what did work. But that's been, feels like most games this year. The last two yeah. weeks aside, where they, they had some early success and found those early touchdowns, but you can't burn four drives at the beginning of a game. It, no. It, it makes it too hard in the NFL where all these teams, Robert Mays and, and Nate Tice talking about this on the Athletic Football Show last night, all these teams outside of like Buffalo, Kansas City, maybe Philadelphia are so tight. There's so little differentiating most teams in the NFL right now that you're going to have these games coming down to the wire like week one, week two, week five. And and the slow starts are part of that. And so quicker adjustments, having having passing game answers, and they're trying different things every week. It's just frustrating that it's, it's taking so long for them to figure it out in-game. And and so that needs to be better. Ravens, and, the, and these division teams, by the way, just to go back to your stat, these division teams really focusing on the Bengals' offense. So Ravens are not this team that's going to sit in too high the whole game against most teams in the NFL against the Bengals 60% of their snaps and cover two, four or six and showing too high pre-snap on 71% of their plays. That's from Arjun Menon at PFF who Bengals fans love to hate because of his general derisiveness toward the Bengals offense because of what they did against too high last year. Now they're getting a lot more of it and they're struggling with it. And so that is something that I thought the offensive line would help. I thought they would adjust to, and we haven't seen those adjustments. They need to, 
Yeah, we haven't seen those adjustments, and everyone saw it coming. And now you've seen it for five straight weeks, and it's it's still the case. And it's not just like too high. Like the offense in general, they're one of the worst offenses in the NFL, Jake. Mm-hmm. Like that's not debate. That's insane to me. And so a couple more numbers here. They're 31st in yards per play. Only the Rams are worse. And have you watched the Rams? The Rams are awful. They're an awful football team right now. Cooper Cup is the only reason that offense is doing anything. And without him, you know, it's just brutal. Well, the Bengals, they don't have just one guy. They have all these guys. It should be – they should be able to find ways to make plays. 31st in yards per play, 4.81 yards per play. Ridiculous. It's a joke. They're averaging just 21.6 points per game, which is tied for 16th in the NFL. Also ridiculous. They averaged 26 per game last year. And so Carolina, who just fired their coach today, they're averaging more yards per play. The Colts. Did you see the Colts offense on Thursday night? It is. It was brutal. It was the Russell Wilson versus Matt Ryan pick show. The Steelers with Pickett and Trubisky. I mean, these are teams and offenses that shouldn't even be mentioned in the same conversation as the Bengals. It should be night and day. It should be you you mentioned who'd you say? The Chiefs, the Bills, the that's what we should be talking about from an offense standpoint, an offensive standpoint. The Seahawks? It we, legitimately yeah, Geno Smith is playing out of his damn mind. They're putting up numbers. It's, it's crazy. And and yet this little cover two look and these it just it's like what's going on? And so that's the that's the really frustrating part is at some point they got they're gonna have to stop saying it. And I can't get and we talked about it last night. I can't get this quote out of my mind though, the Joe Burrow, and I'm paraphrasing, but the well, if they're gonna play that, we can't beat them over the top. Well then how about we just you you know, you call a bunch of intermediate stuff and you start winning in that that eleven to twenty yard range. Because how many how many air air yards did the passes to Jamar Chase travel? Two. Right? Downfield. It didn't feel like many. It, it, it I, The back shoulder on their final drive to go ahead. I mean, there weren't many intermediate throws to Chase. It was a lot of quick stuff. Well, come on now. Like, there's there's got to be a way where you're not that slowed down where you can get the ball in the intermediate part of the field, especially if they're going to play that too high. So they have to figure it out. They're going to throw the ball. That's fine, but you, you can't just give teams this blueprint and show that you can't solve it at all. And so I expect the the Saints, and they have a pretty good secondary. They have a pretty good defense. They're going to do the exact same thing. We have more to talk about with this offense. Probably, again, as, as we often should, spend more time on the defense. I want to watch the tape before commenting further on the defense, but the defense held a good offense in check. Uh, so just going to just throw that in here again. But I do have some more stats as well on the offense and, and things like that we should talk about. So let's finish the show with a little bit more in terms of an overall retrospective on the first five weeks, how productivity is looking and, and what they might be able to do to figure it out to finish up the show coming up next. Bet Online is your number one source for all things football betting this season, whether it's college football, whether it's the NFL, whether it's Joe Burrow and the Bengals trying to rebound and trying to get back to 500 this week against the Saints. They are your continued source for all things sports wagering. I've used them, and you should too. It's super easy. It's free to sign up. And whether it's 
wagering on you know NFL futures, NBA futures, the Major League Baseball playoffs, uh, anything in between. They have you covered from boxing to MMA at Bet Online. It's fast. It's easy. It's where the game starts. Bet Online, where the game starts. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. So a couple other stats I wanted to hit on here, James. Uh, You're talking yards per play, points per game, and these things. I think those are are certainly useful because that tells you twenty-one. It tells you how productive they're being really in the end. But what's concerning is uh, when you look at stuff like DVOA, which tries to take some adjusted stuff into account as well, the Bengals are also behind the Pittsburgh Steelers in offensive DVOA. Not by much, but the Pittsburgh Steelers, mostly led by Mitch Trubisky ahead of the Bengals in this particular metric. And a lot of this goes back to the first few weeks of the season that they haven't recovered from. The last couple of weeks have been respectable. Even, even week five, and this was a little bit surprising to me, even week five, in, in terms of DVOA, the Bengals outplayed the Ravens in DVOA, according to Football Outsiders, in week five, narrowly, like coin flip result, which is kind of how the game went. But also in uh, Kevin Coles, he's PFF guy, doing the adjusted score thing. He had the Bengals 29, Ravens 23, based on his adjusted score formula that takes into account you know, expected points and, and all this stuff, trying to smooth out for, for variance. So maybe the process wasn't as bad as it felt, but it sure didn't feel like the Bengals were anywhere close to scoring 29 points in that no. game. I mean, the, the in- first four drives, you can't have that slow of a start. It's killing them. And the Ravens were. Like, 19, fine. But Lamar Jackson donated seven. So, really, they had 26. You know? And and so, it's like – I mean, it was two different plays where they get past, you know, past the the deep guy and and Mm -hmm. have touchdowns if Lamar can just put it on either guy and Duvernay and Wallace. So, it it helps. It makes it look – a little better, but that, that was, you know, such a, a huge turning point. And you could say the same thing for the Bengals, right? It is, you know, the goal line stand and all of those things, but no, it, it, it never felt, and I don't know how it came across on TV, but it never felt like the Bengals were in control. It felt like they were on their heels all game. Even when it was 10 to 10, it felt like it was like, okay, got to halftime 10 to 10. Now let's try to catch our breath and figure it out. And uh, they obviously didn't on offense. I feel great about their passing D. 
the entire game. I, I you know, they had issues with Mark Andrews at times. They had a couple, you know, like like you said, letting guys get behind him. Those are more individual plays. I thought that the approach in general from the past defense was was really good. But, you know, when you let guys get behind you on two straight plays for could have been touchdowns, that that is going to sour things when we look at it on tape, when you get the coverage bust on the Mark Andrews touchdown, which I thought was just a pick play that Trey Flowers couldn't work through. Apparently, he thought he was handing it off, according to yeah. many people in my Twitter he replies. Stopped. Yeah, he stopped. Yeah. Yep. So miscommunication there that leads to a touchdown you you, you let the only real th- i mean it was mark andrews all game devin duvernay had a couple plays but man uh so so that's the defense you know the running d without dj reader is, is going to be what it is these other guys need to play better uh and we'll see we'll see how it holds up when we watch the tape because it was interesting looking at the pff grades on on monday morning not liking some of the guys that i thought played pretty good games sam hubbard uh trey hendrickson some of the linebackers not not grading out very well in run d and so that'll be interesting to look at but the last thing that i wanted to talk about in terms of stats is is joe burrow's intermediate game going back to lsu Fantastic intermediate passer. 22.5% of his passes at LSU in his senior year were in the intermediate part of the field. He completed nearly 70% of those for 12.5 yards per attempt. And last year, when the Bengals were going well, he was the best passer in the NFL in the intermediate part of the field. Again, completing 72% of his passes for 13 yards per attempt in the intermediate part of the field, 10 to 19 yards downfield. 13 yards per attempt, just three yards worse per attempt then his deep passing, which is where all those explosives come from for this team. 14 touchdowns on deep passes, 11 touchdowns on intermediate passes last year for Joe Burrow. Was great in that part of the field. This year, intermediate passes, 58% completion percentage, 10 yards per attempt, and has five turnover-worthy throws in the intermediate part of the field. That's... That, that needs to be so much better. Yeah, it, it does, especially because that's one of the areas that they should be exploiting, right? That's one of the areas that's going to help get defenses out of this cover two. Let's take away the explosives and keep everything in front of us. And they haven't been able to do it. And you're right, he has been, you know, poor there. But I I don't even remember even throw many throws in general, attempts in that part of the field on Sunday night and you have to go back and track it and look, but there weren't many. It, it wasn't like he, oh, uh, he's got, you know, Jamar chase on a, you know, on a post for, you know, 18 yards downfield. Like we didn't see it. And, and so I, it, part of that is no T Higgins, but I mean, think about it. Were there any, did Boyd get targeted 15 yards downfield, like over the middle on a seam or something? I, I don't remember any of that or seeing one. And so, that has to change. And defenses, it should be impossible to take those away and also take away the deep shots. Something has to be there. There's only mm-hmm. 11 guys, Jake. Mm-hmm. There's only 11 on the field. And so well, they're I don't playing, care where you put them. Something's available. And, and they're playing 9 on 10 a lot of the times because they're putting two of those guys on Jamar Chase. They're, they're clouding Jamar Chase or bracketing Jamar Chase. They're playing double man on Jamar Chase so often that – <laughs> yeah, I mean, th- there's something there. Uh, you can go look at the passing chart. The next-gen passing chart is out for Joe Burrow. There were 
way too many dots very near or behind the line of scrimmage. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight passes behind the line of scrimmage on the left side, nine passes, sorry, behind the line of scrimmage on the on the left side, uh-huh. and four, five more at or behind the line of scrimmage on the right side. I mean, this is a, this is a passing game. 14. 14 out of 35 of Joe Burrow's attempts at or behind the line of scrimmage, and another probably nine to 12 within six yards, seven yards of the line of scrimmage. What is that? What is is this Rex Burkhead and you know uh, who, who else played half, fifteen yards downfield? Yeah, who who else played in that tw- two thousand fourteen playoff game I, I don't where, where AJ was out and all those guys? Like I've that, that's it from my memory. Th- that's the game plan you do when you have nothing. When there's no one, I just yeah I uh, push the ball, push the ball. Now if. If the intermediate is as deep as you can go because of of, of cover, t- fine. Guess what? Fifteen yards is great. Mm-hmm. I, I was give me fifteen yards all day long through the air because you have guys that are going to break tackles, and so they got to figure it out. It's too talented. You just have to figure it out before it's too late. And starting two and three and zero oh and two in the division, it's not too late yet. But we're uh, we're getting closer. We're certainly getting closer. I mean, and and all you have to do, honestly. Look at it. Hurst, six receptions. Oh, that's awesome. 53 yards. Jamar Chase, seven catches. Oh, that's ideal. 50 yards, right? And then and then it just goes downhill from there. But if you have two guys that have six and seven receptions, they should be averaging 10-plus, and neither guy was close. Yeah, maybe not for tight end necessarily. Like, ideally, sure. yeah, but, but maybe not. But for, for, for Chase, last year, seven catches is 140 yards. I, sure. And, and, and what I mean with Hurst, I mean, he's leading you in receiving. So, like, it was wild. And, yeah, normally I agree with you. Like, six for 53 for Hurst is great. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But you would also have a T. Higgins and a Tyler Boyd and a Jamar Chase that would be above him, receptions and or yards. Right. The the uh, last thing real quick, the, the PFF grades, just in case you're wondering, we're, I'm going to watch the tape probably tonight. We'll hopefully get to talk about it tomorrow. Um, pass blocking grades, pretty, pretty good. Rough start Mm -hmm. for, for, in a couple, on a couple plays, but this is how it felt throughout the game. It felt like after the first little part of the game there, they, they settled in Kappa, Jonah Williams, Volson, Karras, all above 70 Kappa and Jonah above 80 in the PFF pass blocking grade and Collins even with the, with the 65, which for him is, uh, Pretty good this year. Hopefully he continues to to get healthier or better or something. He needs to be better long term. But uh, against a a pass rush that didn't have a ton of teeth where we thought the interior was better. Nice to see the interior holding up mostly pretty well for this team. And and it felt that way watching live as well. Just got to got to figure out the passing game. Hopefully this running game improvement is, is a building block. That's that's really the hope for me is that they see that, okay, we can run out of the gun. Let's go more run. Let's go more gap stuff out of the gun in the run game. Let's build the passing game off of that, build the play action game off of that. And uh, that that's the hope for me. And we'll see what, what next week brings. New Orleans Saints back in Louisiana for these guys. Anyway, we'll get into the tape. Plenty of time to transition to week six as well. More coming your way as we continue your daily coverage of the Cincinnati Bengals here on the Lockdown Bengals podcast. And we appreciate you listening. Until next time, Hootay 
and have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.